Welcome back, y'all, to episode 108 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast, bringing you information as well as informing you within a 15- to 20-minute time period. So sit back, relax, and listen and enjoy the podcast. I hope y'all haven't gobbled till you wobble thinking about what is going on today as it relates to Thanksgiving Day. So happy Thanksgiving Day. What can I say about it? Tryptophan makes you sleepy. The turkey is mostly only found in North America. We eat a meal to give thanks, but in remembrance of the first winter between Native Americans and the Quakers who tried to settle the United States. Interesting about this holiday is how it's really focused on North America. I know Canada has a Thanksgiving, but they copy us. But North America's Thanksgiving really is focusing on that. A time of looking at your family, identifying what you're thankful for, and being grateful where you are today. You know, we all can focus on the negativity of what we want, what we don't have, or what we want to be. But Thanksgiving really is a day that's focusing on being grateful and practicing the acts of gratitude. Gratitude in itself is something you must practice. It is not something you are given. Um, and when I say that, I mean that it is a it is a, an approach. In life, we really have to identify how we want ourselves to feel daily. Nothing is going to make us feel that way unless we are. In the context, I mean that. Same thing with working out. You're not going to get in shape if you're not working out. You're not going to be emotionally intelligent or emotionally developed if you're not putting in the work. And if you don't know how to tap into gratitude, it's hard to. And that's where Thanksgiving is transitioned. A day not really focused on giving gifts or identifying um, what we need to be doing based on a religious aspect. Thanksgiving is a day most focused on being thankful for what we have today. You know, a lot of the foods that we eat are recommended, are recognized, I'm sorry, as foods within the harvest. Um, things like that that allowed us, are the original Quakers, to get through the winter with the Native Americans and being thankful that the Native Americans were able to provide and help us because it was not easy. I don't know what I'm saying, I'm not saying us. I don't know what I'm saying us, the Quakers. Anyways, so... That's kind of where we're at with that. Um, And I just want to do a little pitch because, you know, Thanksgiving does mean a lot to my family. You know, I I was raised in a fairly religious home. And as a result of it, you know, Christmas wasn't things that were really practiced by us because, you know, in our family, Christmas in itself is a merging of holidays, taking the winter solstice and the birth of Christ, taking two different holidays and merging them together to please the masses originally coming from England. So my family identified that, bringing a tree into the home and the recognition of Santa Claus, which originated from Norway, had no connection to Christianity. So it's always interesting because, you know, a lot of the childhood memories were surrounded by Thanksgiving. Okay, so getting into what I have to talk about today, a lot of interesting things, you know, there's a... There's a conflict or a potential internet 
conflict arising with Jerry Jones. So Jerry Jones is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. He won a national championship with Arkansas Razorback football, one of the only national championships born and raised in Arkansas. Um, It's coming out that potentially as a child, he was, or a teenager, he was at the protest for the Little Rock Nine in Little Rock, Arkansas. The Little Rock Nine is the first time we have African Americans being um, put into white schools. So it's kind of a groundbreaking moment. And potentially Jerry Jones was there protesting, which is kind of crazy that they've been able to find that photo um, 55 years later and identify him as a kid. So that is a conflict that's coming out. Um, Another big conflict right now is the impact of COVID within China. The COVID policies are getting really strict and the people are starting to kind of, um, they're really starting to rebel in certain provinces and it can only go on for so much longer. And what's so crazy about this policy, the reason why we had locked down the United States is we took that policy from China, actually, and implemented it within the United States. Um, but you're looking at it with different provinces. I actually ended up communicating with a few um, of my former friends I had, or friends I had from Peace Corps, and they were telling me they are still in lockdown, been in lockdown for the last two months, and the lockdown is as strict or more strict than lockdown um, face in the United States. So you guys got to keep your eye on that. It's going to, it's only going to be a matter of time before it gets even more. But then looking at China, and one thing I've wanted to talk about for a little bit here is the One Belt, One Road initiative. So the One Belt, One Road initiative actually takes, takes its identity from when China was at its strongest, when it was, um, really implementing and going with the Silk Road. The Silk Road was a part of multiple countries tying into multiple trades, not only trading silk, but many, many merchants. And when we think about the Chinese, we always have to remember, you know, they were were the first to create paper, they created gunpowder, and they created the compass. You know, these are really big impacts on our current day life today. And another thing that really created them as a really high empire was the ability to trade silk. Um, silk was found in China, and it would be, be interchanged with spices, different things everywhere. And the the capital during this time was actually in Xi'an, um, which is where the terracotta warriors are within China. And you have different fusion, you have different, um, you know, that still touches aspects of China today. An example of this is, is Islam came to China 18 years after Muhammad died. I mean, if you think about it, what's crazy is China has 10 million Muslims. Um, no, I think it's actually 10 or 20 million. They have a large percentage of them, and some of them are Han. No, I think it's Han is about 10 million, I'm sorry, and 20 million total. And the other 20, 10 are Uyghurs. Um, and Islam within China is a, is a, is a reflection of of the Silk Road because of the fact that Muhammad himself was a merchant. And during this time, merchants were Islamic spreading, selling, living as Muhammad after he passed away and in passing Islam. So those are one, that's one aspect of it too. And a weird way too, you can think about the Silk Road originally as the first connectivity, connect tissue 
via commerce, being able to bring something to another country, and it stretched through the stands, it stretched all the way to Iran, you know, and asked some, some touches some aspects of Europe and uh, some aspects of Africa, and, and, and it was really large. And what's so interesting is when the Obama administration normalized relations with China, one of the first things Xi Jinping did was hop on a plane and fly to Iran, being one of the first Middle Eastern countries Xi Jinping spoke to. And the reason why that is because China and Persian relations were very strong during the Silk Road, and it really created a lot of a lot of economic strength. So the One Belt One Road is the Silk Road 2.0. One Belt One Road meaning connectivity, commerce. Um, and what's happening now is China is really trying to transition and shift into their ability to go into the stands, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. And going into the Pakistan as well. They're running a road down to the Gwadar port. And the Gwadar port in itself will be able to bring in more commerce to the backside as well as things like that. Where it's getting interesting is with with this COVID-19 lockdown. It's very rarely you see the people in China consistently stand up. The government has done a really good job of trying to break people's spirits. Have them conform from state to state. Um... So the reason why I bring up the One Belt, One Road initiative and how it coincides with China is currently, you know, Xi Jinping's biggest issue is he has to determine how to keep one billion people employed. So what happens most of the time is during this aspect of it, what goes on is Xi Jinping um, and the Chinese government has multiple contracts in African countries. This dates back to Mao Zedong whenever they would do the no interest loans even in Zimbabwe, building a railroad going on. So what we're happening now is Chinese builders are going into countries, sometimes even be considered locuses in building these countries. Um, and what they're doing is they bring in their own food, their own cooks, their own infrastructure, and they're not really stimulating the economy. And sometimes that's seen as a negative thing. But the other argument is that's how you know their, their economy has been built on infrastructure for so long that they can only build so much within China. That's why you have a lot of these cities that don't have anybody living in it. Is it subsidized with kind of like government contracts, workers, you know, and, and the mentality, in my opinion, is, you know, idle hands, right? So keeping them busy, keeping them working kind of allows them not to focus so much on the government. So that's why sometimes, too, you have people building petrol stations, working in Africa, but they're not really interacting with the, with the, um, natural culture around it they're just continuously working and working and working and coming back to china and you know we've seen some rights in some issues within china you know but at this scale it's going to be really interesting because it seems like right now the lockdowns for covid19 in china is kind of serving as a kind i mean like a flashpoint you know people are rioting they're attacking the police they're screaming they're shouting they are completely um, I think at their wit's end, and I'm like, too, it's like if you were to create that same issue right now in the United States, there's no way we would go back into lockdown. I mean, we have recorded we recorded outbreaks as lockdown spread. So, you know, if you're looking at these widespread lockdowns across China in, in the Rezep and in, in the um, 
resemblance of having, you know, with COVID-19, you're looking at, you know, Tianjin, Guangzhou, all being hit by it. But at the same time, it's like, what are people going to do as a re- as a reflection of their mental health? I mean, you know, it's like China is expanding the lockdowns because there was 19 cases in daily. But as you look at what it's going to do to the people, I mean, it's making... If you look at um, Guangzhou, they currently have 6.6 million people staying at home, okay, completely on lockdown. Six million people not even going out. That'd be like a dead, dead city. I mean, you're like a ghost town, you know. And within the last 22 hours, you know, CNBC is posting, Mainline China told daily COVID cases soars above Shanghai's lockdown. So even with the lockdown, you're looking at more than... 31,000 people have been infected with COVID on Wednesday within China. And it's really interesting now that this is happening because, you know, you kind of thought this would happen during the Spring Festival. And that's the biggest issue is if China transitions into the Spring Festival, which is in January to December, and the Spring Festival is the largest, largest migration of humans on the face of the planet, what you're going to get is large spreading of COVID-19 within China. Um, and what's really crazy is when I talked to my friend in China, whenever I had COVID, he didn't even know anybody with COVID cases. And that's back in June of 2020. But, you know, now you're looking at 90% of the total COVID cases in a recent day, you know, is really happening. So 90% of the cases have happened with COVID since April. So you're getting these surges of COVID and it's going to really be interesting to see what happens abroad is well what happens with spring festival so when the spring festival hits you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens with covid so that's all i have today thank you all for listening i wish you a merry happy uh grateful thanksgiving and we'll talk to you tomorrow